Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Marglin. And I'm Chris Marglin. Let's expand the conversation. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on TPQ20. Um, I am super excited to have you on here. Uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Courtney. Um, Good to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we always like to start out by saying, you know, we, we know who you are. Um, I've been following you for quite a long time now. Um, and uh, so you, I've, I've watched your journey and it's been pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but our audience may not know who you are. They may be new. Um, so if you were to kind of give, um, you know, a quick pitch of who you are, um, who are you? Yeah, um, my name is Kyle Tran Myrie. Um, my stage name has been Guante. <laughs> and so most people, if they know me at all, it's usually by that name. But, um, you know, it's, I don't think I'm alone in the idea that as a poet, like, maybe the biggest hat that I wear as poet, but that ends up being only a small part of the actual like work that I do. And I think a lot of us are in that same boat in that. Um, you know, I'm a teaching artist, so I'll go into like high schools and middle schools through like a week-long residency or a two-day residency or a one-day residency talking about poetry stuff. But then the the primary like stuff that I do as a poet is um, going out to say colleges or conferences or other community spaces, using poetry as kind of an entry point into having hopefully deeper, more critical conversations about issues related to like identity and power and agency and social justice. So like, it's a little bit of like DEI stuff for better or worse, and a little bit of like arts, poetry, performance stuff, and a little bit of kind of like critical pedagogy, critical education stuff all kind of mixed together. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I mean, that's not that's not a great like bio or elevator pitch. Like I have, I have all these accomplishments and stuff too, but like- <laughs> No, but that's, um, exactly that's like, the, we... that's what matters to me. That's the work, right? <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. And that gives us kind of um, a little bit of insight into who you are and takes us perfectly into our first question about kind of passions um, and maybe kind of what are some of your passions outside of the world of poetry that lead you kind of into the world of poetry and link those two worlds together? <laughs> Yeah. Um, there, there's layers to that question, right? So the specific thing you asked about, like outside of poetry, what kind of brings me back into it or like, cre- you know, kind of creates fuel to do the, the poetic work. And I think, um, you know, I, I got into spoken word and music and activism all kind of at the same time. And a lot of it was just through relationships, like people would drag me along with them to the open mic or drag me along with them to the the meeting that was happening about the the campaign or whatever um and so a lot of it it comes down to like the activism side of things like um here i'm in minneapolis um involved in an abolitionist collective called empathy 150 for the past you know five years now um kind of doing like public education work and political education work around what abolition really is. Also work with a group called True Art Speaks or have worked um, over the, again, over the past 10 years or so with a group called True Art Speaks that does critical education work through uh, spoken word, through hip hop, through that kind of stuff. Um, and then just, you know, organizing more generally, um, social justice kind of a word that I really like, I don't want to ramble too much here, but a word that I really like is facilitator. And I think other facilitators like that word too, even though I think a lot of it's not like a word that people generally use, but the idea that it isn't about going into a space and like 
teaching you stuff or telling you what to do. It's about facilitating experiences. And I feel like that from an, an activist perspective and like a social justice ed perspective really translates in an interesting way into, into the poetry side. Um, and, but, you know, more generally, just in terms of the, the passion question, like, I, it's cool that I just keep talking a little bit. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I've, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of human beings. <laughs> no, I, and, and you're, you are, you are uh, speaking directly to our hearts as well. We live <laughs> just outside of the Portland area. And, and so the last few years have been pretty heavily involved with social justice movements. Um, so this is speaking to our hearts. Yeah. So please, yeah. Continue. Well, it's the West Portland, right? Not the East Portland. Correct. The West okay, yeah. Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that, like that passion question is interesting to me because I think about it again as an educator, right, on a, a form level and a content level. Like one of the first things we talk about in a class is how form and content relate, but they're not the same thing, right? And so, on a form level, I'm really, really interested and passionate about spoken word specifically. Um, and again, I don't think that's a, a good thing or a bad thing or a better thing than what other poets are doing. I'm just, I'm very interested in spoken word as a practice, as a, both a cultural practice and like an aesthetic practice, right? Whereas I think some poets spoken word is kind of like uh, an embarrassing skeleton in their closet or like <laughs> a thing that they might just do once in a while. Like that's my primary thing. I don't really care about publishing or whatever. Like I, I'm interested in performance. And then on a content level, going back to the whole idea of what brought me into poetry and spoken word in the first place like I'm interested in poetry and storytelling and other kinds of art but especially spoken word and especially poetry as tools to support movement building work um whether that's around climate or around police brutality or around economic inequality or you know going on and on and on like that's the thing that energizes me you're speaking straight to my heart too <laughs> Love that's it. kind of uh, where the poetry question started is that idea that words change the world and how can poetry expand the conversation literally i mean expand the conversation <laughs> that's that's you know our tagline and it's been that's exactly what it should be doing the idea that words do have that much power to mm. bring people together and where can we find poetry um mm. can it be in just words or the spoken word or pages or just in people in general or humanity yeah well it's you know, we, we had a, um, a conversation with uh, Thalita Hicks not too long ago, um, and they were talking about how there's such a difference between um, an audio version of a poetry book and a spoken word album. <laughs> um, and I think you're kind of speaking kind of to the same thing is, you know, you've, you embrace the stage very heavily early on um and that became kind of your you know your uh yeah your lane mm -hmm. um and so when it comes to process do you feel differently about the process when you are working mm -hmm. toward pieces that are more specifically for the stage um or for you know guante and big cats album or like uh you know or your new book coming out is there a different process for those yeah and i think you know but we could get into the weeds around the specific stuff around writing for performance and like how that impacts the arc of a poem like i love that kind of nerdy like oh, yeah. inside baseball conversation but i think maybe a, a broader point that i really think about a lot is how 
being part of like the slam community again for better or worse and the spoken word community i think has instilled in me the idea that like context matters and audience matters and that again i also am a quote unquote like you know i studied poetry in college and like that was my my major and all that kind of stuff so i did study that kind of stuff i have experience in that world but i do think sometimes there's sometimes a spoken and sometimes an unspoken expectation that poetry has to or art in general has to be this like magical thing that exists on its own and the, that the context of it we're either taught not to think about that or taught that it's bad to think about that or that it, it creates bad art which I think is very like a historical and just again so for me on the process side I think one of the most important questions is who is the audience for this poem where is this poem going to be experienced like where does this poem going to live in the world and then you know my favorite question with students is not like this is a good poem or a bad poem but it's what is the work of this poem mm. and do we feel that it's doing that work effectively could maybe if we don't feel it is could someone else feel like it is and it, it leads into these really interesting conversations about like the different roles of art in the broad sense, but also the different roles of different kinds of poetry. Like, you know, I, I love the idea of ha having an ecosystem of poetry that we can have like poems that will win poetry slams and poems that will never win poetry slams and poems that will get published in the New Yorker and poems that will only exist in like little like radical anarchist zines and poems that are like bad Instagram poetry. Cause they all like do something in the world. They all play some kind of role I feel like. I probably shouldn't have said bad Instagram poetry, but, you know. I think even bad Instagram poetry has a place somewhere for someone. Yeah. It's speaking to somebody's heart. I think yeah. that's uh, a lot of times when we're looking at, we do a lot of reviews on our site. And that's one of the things we're looking at when we're uh, doing reviews is even if that book doesn't necessarily, isn't the, our favorite book in the entire world, can we find what the editor and the author mm -hmm. were yeah. doing when they wrote it? And is the person out there, um, can we find what they might need from that book? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a, that's, yeah, when when we get asked if we bring somebody on to do reviews, it's always, you know, well, what if I don't like it? And my response is, but it was published for a reason. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I think there are, there are ways to, there are different ways to look at it, but I think there's a, <laughs> There are different ways to look at that, um, good or bad. But I think, you know, like it, the wave of poetry and I think that Instagram poetry world, I think some of it uh, is like, you know, uh, bedroom diary poetry um, that we never would have shared with anybody save for like a live journal page. Mm -hmm. And now it just happens to be public. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it, yeah. Well, that's a, a there's an incredible parallel there to spoken word, which is not like to most people in this country and probably in the world, like spoken word is kind of a joke, right? It's like that 22 Jump Street version of slam poetry that is always really cringy and super earnest and just not good. But I feel like that stereotype exists because spoken word is a democratic art form where anyone can show up to an open mic or a poetry slam and say some stuff. And like, yeah, that means it's not all going to be amazing. But that's also like... The, the pro and the con exist on top of each other in, in that situation. And I think the, what we get out of that in terms of a democratic art form, and this goes for Instagram poetry too, and like opening doors in, into the work, like that I think is much more valuable than I don't love every poem that I hear. But it's, also, it's such a nuanced conversation because it isn't to say that we shouldn't have standards or that like mm -hmm. everything is good all the time. It's just to say that we should 
challenge ourselves to think more critically about those standards and like where they come from and how they manifested in our brains to begin with. And that's like an interesting critical conversation, I feel like, more than like, is this good, is this bad? I think sometimes too, it lets us see behind the curtain too. Like um, you're seeing writers in process. Mm. Maybe they're at the beginning of a career or the beginning of their journey and um, instead of the middle and the end, totally. polished. And it's that naked feeling of they're brave enough to put themselves out there. Whereas before we might not have gotten to see that. We mm. viewed everyone on the equal playing field of where they're all professionals if they started. So they're good, they're bad because they're all here. Mm. Whereas we can view people more on a continuum and have a little bit of grace yeah. um, and see vulnerability. And I think there's something so magical just in that uh, being able to see vulnerability in people and give them the grace to learn from each other and then build community around that. Yeah, um, definitely. That in itself, I think, is just seeing the community building around writers um, and the grace given to each other and building up uh, has been so wonderful, especially in these last couple of pandemic years. Well, and I yeah. think on a on a kind of a separate process note, you posted a video not too long ago of a piece that wasn't quite a poem, wasn't quite an essay, um, wasn't quite a play. Um, and I, I wish I remember the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, it was nice to see, you know, that as a writer, even you weren't too sure necessarily where a piece fit, mm-hmm. you know, you and and to have that, you know, that vulnerability to be like, I wrote this, I really like this, but it doesn't fit in any of these spaces that <laughs> I would normally be, you know, be seen in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that idea of like letting the, the the content move you towards the form and letting the, the form then move you towards the context and like how all those things are related, but also can exist separately. And like, again, not to just pitch my new book, but the book, I, I don't know when this will air, but the book that I'm working on releasing in March of 2022 is very much, it's two button poetry. It's called Not A Lot Of Reasons To Sing But Enough, but everything we've been talking about is very much about process and that on some level it is a book of poems, but the conceit is that it's two characters who are traveling from village to village on this like moon somewhere. It doesn't take place on earth, right? And like they're sharing their poems. They're also listening to the poems of the people in those villages. And then, you know, that's part of the book. And then another part of the book is the conversations that they have around the poems, like, stuff about process stuff about you know what 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 tools have been most useful to me as a writer and as a thinker and all that kind of stuff and just again that idea of hopefully we can do something beyond like here's a bunch of poems they're good I hope you like them but trying to illuminate some of that internal work that happens which I think is useful not just for poets but like far beyond an artistic practice too absolutely um, and we are, as, as an aside that I can edit, that I'll edit out, this will come out right alongside uh, the release of the new book. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we'll try and do <laughs> that. We'll line this up with, um, and Button will send me, or if you get uh, the yeah. PDF to me early, it'll line up with that in the review as well. Thank you. So, oh, yeah. We try to make sure our timing is we like when we when we can line things up we like to it makes it makes everybody's world really easy really nice yeah i wasn't sure if you were already filming third season stuff because like i listened to the last couple episodes and then i saw that you have your second season already so i don't know what was going on with the time yeah no no this one will drop into into march with the with the release cool um, yeah so trying to learn seasons. yeah we're 
we we're still <laughs> we still feel very new at this even though oh, no. but it was like you, we get about 30 episodes in we're like we're, we we sort of understand it like <laughs> um so that takes us to the <laughs> process <laughs> so that takes us to our next book pitfalls so in um looking at your the book you just wrapped up and writing about your process are there any pitfalls that you ran into or just in general in the writing process are there any pitfalls that you've run into um throughout your journey and how have you handled them <laughs> um and I really it, should reframe that I know you've run into pitfalls yeah. as we all do <laughs> Because, you know, my my knee-jerk reaction is to talk about pitfalls that other people run into. And, like, because, you know, I work with a lot of students. And, like, we, we work through that stuff around, like, stage fright or, like, how do I turn an idea into a poem? But if I'm talking about pitfalls that I myself have run into, I think um, I feel like I'm in a pretty healthy place with my artistic practice right now. But most of the pitfalls that I can think of kind of revolve around the work side of being a poet, right? I think there are times when I have focused too much on promotion and not enough on like our, the art. And then there are times where I focus not nearly enough on promotion. Cause I feel like, you know, part of the work, again, if we're thinking about context, we're thinking about what work can a poem do in the world or can a, 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 an artistic body do in the world? Um, there is some responsibility to actually get the stuff out there. It's not just like, I'm gonna write this thing because I, it's important to me. And, and this is all such a complex conversation. Cause again, if you're someone else out there and that is the most important thing to you, like, that's great. That's 100% okay. I think about, for me, in the work that I am trying to do, it involves, I have to create work that is authentic and, like, meaningful to me, and I have to do the work to get it heard and get it out into the world. And so there's definitely some balance stuff around outreach and promotion, and, like, you know, you can you can err on either side there, I think, and, and, and find trouble. And then maybe on a, a deeper level, you know, kind of, I mentioned it a little bit a, a second ago of like, how do you do work that is your, that you want to do, that is your thing, while also not losing sight of the audience? Again, this is a very, very tricky conversation. If we had an hour, three hours to talk about it, I think we could walk down a lot of different paths. But, um, you know, I want to create work that can be useful in the world. And I want to create work that is 100% what I want to be doing. And I think there's, you know, it's a Venn diagram and like there is a space where those two intersect. Then there are also times when we have to make choices to kind of lean to one side or the other. Um, and that's, you know, I don't know if it's a pitfall. It's like a thing to be conscious of and to think critically about and develop over the course of a decades long artistic practice, like yeah. figure out those moments where you lean to one side or the other. And I think that's okay. Um. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever feel because you've had or have a few different career avenues mm. do you ever feel like you um lose yourself in one where the other maybe should be more important or is there one you feel um that you have kind of uh you know maybe put your all into and it's worked or hasn't worked the way you wanted it to <laughs> i think maybe in there have been times when you're balancing art stuff and the music stuff and the edu the educator facilitator stuff where maybe it's been out, out of balance but I think I've gotten to a place in my life where I figured out the well you never figure it out but I've moved <laughs> closer to figuring out the the spaces of, of synergy right like the new book again it's a poetry book but it very much involves everything that I've learned about being a facilitator and doing like critical education work it's also very much about hip-hop even though 
it doesn't take place on earth so there's like no one ever says the specific words hip-hop but like all of the kind of the deeper foundational aspects of it around like the cypher and around community and around improvisation and around flexibility and movement and sampling and juxtaposition like all that kind of deeper hip-hop you know quote-unquote hip-hop theory stuff like hip-hop cultural stuff is very much present in the book and so I feel like it's been a, a an adventure to take those different threads and kind of weave them into a thing that I feel like can represent where I'm at right now. Um, I don't know, or, or the book's super weird and everyone will hate it. But <laughs> that's the idea at least. Sounds like a, uh, it sounds like there should be uh, some type of like uh, Deltron, uh, mm-hmm. Aesop Rock, Wante tour in the future with, uh, <laughs> you know, some type of outer space, uh, you know, thematic, uh, thematic backdrop yeah <laughs> i mean the, the science fiction aspect of the book is something i'm maybe most excited about like even apart from cool. the quote-unquote quality of the poems or the quality of the writing like just the idea that it's you know you mentioned deltron like it's a concept album of a book and i know i'm not the only person to do that like i know that like uh M- melissa's new book is kind of a, a concept album who i know you had on the podcast recently mm-hmm. um and i love that i love that idea of like taking the things that you're interested in and that are that you like to listen to as a, a listener and as a reader and kind of how can the poems fit in a different type of framework than what you're used to doing? Like that was a, a fun challenge, nice. <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. No, I love that. I love when um, when we challenge ourselves by taking everything that we've learned and like our foundations and then we're trying it in a new form. I mean, mm. I think it's what we do with our students all the time. And then when we ourselves are doing it as writers or artists or, such magical things happen. Well, it's like Kazuma Lee writing a choose your own adventure book. Mm. Um, like the like the th- taking taking your thematic structures and, and putting them into those things that you would never assume would happen um, <laughs> is is always pretty cool. Yeah. I'm ready to read all of your things on a, on a new moon or planet. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> so what else is coming up new um, for you or what are you excited about? Um, in the world of literature that's coming up for others. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I'm, well, let me share the, the, the last book I read was actually um, Ariana Brown's book. I know you've also had on the podcast, yes. right? Um, ah, yes. It's called We Are Owed, right? Yep. And just incredible. Just really, 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 really good. Like, again, like yeah. the poetry being good isn't the only thing that I look for in, in a book or in a poem, but this, this, this work was so good and so unique and so like, necessary like I really enjoyed that and then um I don't know if, if y'all know uh Bernard Ferguson who's a poet um been on button a few times been published in a few different places but um Bernard is is teaching a class which I don't think I'm going to be able to ta- take schedule wise but it's teaching a virtual class around um climate and how poets respond to the climate Ooh. crisis and I think that's I mean just one, a quick shout out to him for doing that because it sounds really that's cool really but cool. also yeah. the broader idea of like that's something that I'm really excited about excited about like, maybe excited isn't the word something that I am energized around like it's such a difficult thing in a broad sense to talk about how, you know, poets can support movement work around climate. But I think even writing poems about the climate crisis is just hard for a lot of us. Um, Not for all of us, I can't speak for everyone, but it's hard for me. And so that's a challenge to myself and maybe to other poets out there listening, like how do we engage with that? Because it needs to be engaged with, Um, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, the 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 thing of the again to talk about my book just one more quick time, like Absolutely. the overall like thing that it's about is how artists respond to authoritarianism um, mm. and kind of like you know how can an artist, specifically a poet, kind of align with like anti-fascist sentiments and not just sentiments but action too and like that's a, a complex difficult thing but that's kind of what the, the the book is exploring and I'm really interested in how that conversation aligns with the conversations around climate and the climate crisis because obviously all this stuff is is intertwined so that's where I'm like even though the book is coming out and a lot of my energy is on that like that's the next thing for me is really trying as best as I can to, to sharpen that analysis and to do that work as much as is possible very nice um, yeah well i think that's a good spot to uh to close things out at um thank you so much for hanging out with us on tvq20 uh this has been this has been a great time uh, and i wish we had like three hours to have those complex conversations so uh we may we may need to have a part two uh in the future absolutely call anytime <laughs> no. i am always home thank you <laughs> I, I think y'all are doing really good work um thank and you. really important work so thank you <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. We feel the same way about the work you're doing. And I'm so excited for your new book. Yeah, we look forward to, uh, to seeing what comes and uh, seeing the future for you. And have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.